Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. Well, I certainly hate to leave you, but we will not meet back until September 13th. And so we will, we will meet back for our fall Bible studies. And I'm super excited about the new season. I'm especially excited about praise and worship. And so I know a lot of you don't get here till 11. And, you know, I get it. It's hard to drag out of bed. It's hard to put your clothes on. And all those things that are hard. But I, be, I know and believe, and you've heard testimonies this summer, even of people that walked in and were healed and delivered during praise and worship. So I just really want to encourage you, get in the splash zone. I mean, if you want to get wet, get in the splash zone. That's where we need to be. Because when you focus your attention on Jesus, he watches and he performs his word and he inhabits the praises of his people. If you live, if you live a praise-free life, a worship-free life, how do you expect to get in the glory of his habitation? It's not going to happen. So I really want to encourage you to, to get here and experience the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. A lot of healing takes place. I was, uh, I watched a, a video, someone sent me actually last night, and I don't know if the guy was a, well, he was some kind of blood specialist. And he said the most amazing thing. And you know, it's what I believe for a long time. But when science proves it, it becomes so much greater. And he said, I've looked at thousands of blood samples. And he said, you can look at somebody's blood before a trauma and after the trauma. And the change in the blood is, he didn't say surreal, but it's absolutely amazing. Because trauma does something to your cells that is negative. And that's the reason that I've had all of these beautiful young women come up and and most of them have shared about traumas that they've had and how redemption has taken place. So the reverse would be also true. When you're healed from the trauma, then your blood also changes. And so I'm going to begin today by reading you something that I just actually saw. Wait a minute. Okay, good. Sorry. I had to leave before some working at my house got there. So we're, we're, we're in the flow. All right. So this is Nate and Christy Johnson came out this morning. And it really goes exactly with what I'm going to share with you for a few minutes. And then we're going to have a, a very exciting testimony. I just can't wait. I'll surprise you. The chatter coming at me is because I'm advancing. So if you're hearing a lot of stuff going on in your head, rejoice. The defeat and discouragement trying to sink me are because I'm increasing. The sly assignments trying to distract me are because something good is coming. The tension in the air is because my prayers are working. The arrows coming at my back are because I'm a threat to the enemy's plans. The doors trying to close, the red tape getting tighter just means I'm breaking out. The giants around me look bigger just means I'm about to see God move in my life in a powerful way. Sandy note, never fear the giants. Never. If you see yourself as a grasshopper, that's what we're going to talk about today, what we see. Marty texted me yesterday, what's tomorrow's message? Because, you know, you have to put something on Facebook. I said, I, I have no idea. 
And, and so I asked the Lord, because I have so much I could share with you, but I'm saving some of it. Um, very exciting days for me. But something that the Lord spoke to me on July 29th just came back strong and hasn't left. Don't back down. Live as a threat. I'm going to say it again. Live as a threat. You'll go through some wild stuff, but you have the spirit of God living inside of you. You are the head. You are not the tail. So no matter how it looks, you always end up back on top. People messing with you, talking about you, trying to cut you down is a dangerous game, but don't play back. Keep moving, keep praising, keep lifting your voice in the darkness. Keep waking up and glorifying him. Don't put too much stock in what you see in the natural because it changes in a moment. Live at the feet of Jesus and make his kingdom the reality around you. Warfare is momentary and laughable. Witchcraft only bounces off you and goes back to where it came. You were called to shake snakes off into the fire. I love that. So right now, get out of the funk. Command it to get off. Right now, say that in the name of Jesus. I command that funk to get off of me. Rebuke it, sever every access point. Tell every familiar spirit trying to surveil you to be blind and leave you alone. You are a daughter and son of God. So the funk ends now in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen and amen. And so I'm just going to talk a few minutes about what do you see? What do you see? What do you see? Remember the children of Israel? They saw themselves as grasshoppers to the giants in the land. And so they were in their sight. Because the way you see yourself, that's how the enemy will see you. The way you see yourself. You know how I see myself? This is something that God is, is working so big in me. I wish I had time to share it all with you. I will be sharing it in the future. He's brought me to the place where I really see myself as a daughter. As a daughter. Now, that may not mean a lot to you. But when you see yourself as a daughter, you can approach the king with authority and expectation and confidence. One of my daughters had a disappointment yesterday. We all go through seasons of disappointment. One of my daughters had a disappointment. And... Uh, she didn't tell her daddy about it right away. And, but she called me later after I finished my day and told me. She said, I didn't want dad to know because I knew it would upset him. Well, why? It didn't happen to him. Because she's his daughter. And so this mama bear got in the car and went right over there and took tidings of, of joy. Why? She's our daughter. What father among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for an egg, would give him a scorpion or a serpent or whatever. And yet we diminish Father God to our fake small paradigm. And so the Lord is helping this, me to see myself as a daughter, not in theory, not in mind knowledge, but in a heart approach. And I want to encourage you, before we come back on September 13th, ask the Holy Spirit to really help you see yourself as a daughter, not a servant, not even more than a friend of God, but a daughter. And get rid of the kind of daughter you were or how your parents treated you, even if you had the best parents in the whole world, which I really don't know anybody that has. I mean, it's like either dad was great and mom wasn't or vice versa. Except my girls, of course. <laughs> that would be the exception. <laughs> See, none of them are here today, so I can, yeah. So what do you see? That Hebrew word see means to perceive. Children of Israel saw themselves as grasshoppers. 
The Lord said to Abraham, what do you see? Look at the stars of the heaven. Look at the sand of the shore. So shall your descendants be. That's before he ever had a child. Would you say he has millions of descendants now? Too many to count. You bet he does, including the people in this room. We are sons of Abraham, the father of our faith. What do you see? To Jeremiah, he said, what do you see? He said, well, I see the, an almond branch. And the Lord said, you've seen well, because I'm watching over my word to perform it. Are you giving him word to perform? The Hebrew is hasten. I'm hastening my word. That means I'm moving quickly. His word is like fire. But do we see it that way? You know, if you light a match in a forest, we've seen fires all over the nation, haven't we? All the California fires. I saw on social media someone who's the, the daughters, the whole garage, everything, a whole half of the house had burned down in an instant. Fire spreads fast. And the Lord says, my word's like fire. But, oh, I've been waiting so long. Well, maybe the wait is over. Maybe the Lord is waiting on you and me to start seeing something. You know, when God gives you a promise, you need to see it fulfilled right then before it ever happens. That's what I'm really learning to do. Do you see yourself as healthy or infirm? Do you see yourself as all your needs met or constantly in lack and shortage? Do you see yourself in despair or do you see yourself in the joy of the Lord, which is your strength? Do you see yourself worried and anxious or do you see yourself in the shalom, wholeness, peace of God? What do you see? What do you see on July 29th of this year? I sat down to pray. And in big, huge capital letters, in my spirit, you know, we all have a screen, an internal screen. I mean, you know that, right? We all do. God put it in us. It's called your imagination. And on that screen of my heart, see, the Apostle Paul prayed in Ephesians 1:17 and following, that the eyes of our heart would be flooded with light. But unfortunately, for most people, the eyes of their heart are flooded with darkness and confusion. God is not the author of confusion, but peace. And so on the eyes of my heart, I saw three letters, S-E-E. -E. They were big, C. And all of a sudden, the Lord just began to speak to me. All these scriptures, I didn't go looking them up. I didn't Google C. I mean, it's certainly okay if you do that. But I didn't have to. I started seeing what the word of God says I should see. See the coming of the king. See your prosperity. See healing and health in your body. See an adventurous spirit. See the power of healing, wholeness, joy, happiness, peace. Numbers eleven twenty three. See if I will not do it. Exodus 14, 13 and 14. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish on your behalf. Exodus 12, 13. When I see the blood, I will pass over. And the destroyer will not come upon you. What do you see? Psalm 27, 13. I'm sure this is everybody's favorite. I would have despaired had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. In the land of the living. What do you see? Psalm 17, 15. In the morning, I will see your likeness and find myself beholding your face. Psalm 128, 5 and 6. See my prosperity and my descendants. Isaiah 33, 17 through 22. See the king and all of his beauty. A land of rivers and wide canals where no oar-propelled boat can go. What does that mean? That means you don't have to use your own strength to see the power and the goodness of God. What do you see? You need to start thinking about what you're seeing. Especially in light of your physical health. I am so worried of hearing people talk about getting old. You will never hear me say that. 
Why? Because I will be young until the day I die at a very old age. I am not, I will not start confessing senior moments because you know what? You're going to get them. Oh, my memory is not what it used to be. Well, my memory is sharp and it's going to stay that way. You know why? The Bible says the memory of the righteous is blessed. The Bible says I have the mind of Christ and I hold the thoughts, purposes, and intentions of his heart. That's what I see. Every time the Lord asks somebody what he saw or what they saw, when they got in line with his word, it happened. What about the blind man? Jesus spits in the mud. So what, what's in your spit? Your DNA. Have you ever had your DNA tested? What do they do? They swab the inside of your mouth. I had it done once to see if I methylate, whatever that, I have no idea what that means, but apparently it's important, whatever it is. Yeah, I think it's called methyl, meth, meth, is, Karen, is that what it's called? Men, methylate? Men, methylate. Whatever, meth, she's a nurse, Dee, Dee Methylate, yeah. Well, so it's DNA to see if I methylate, whatever. Your DNA doesn't lie. That's not something nasty, by the way. <laughs> You're looking at me like, what is she talking about? But it, so he puts his DNA in the spit, in the, this is spit in the mud, the dirt. He made mud. He put it on the blind man's eyes. And then he said, what do you see? Well, I see men and they look like trees. Well, go wash. And he came back with perfect vision. What do you see? So see, if we allow the Lord to minister, you see, listen, his DNA is in the word. How do I know that? Because Timothy said, every, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, every scripture is God-breathed. Have you ever gotten around a person? And this, I mean, this really annoys me. If you want to know what my pet peeves are. It's when a person is sick and they come up right in your face and they go, oh, yeah, I'm just so sorry I have the flu. Well, if you don't mind keeping it and getting away from me. Well, why? Because they are breathing on you. And you know what's in your breath? Your spit. I'm sorry, Vita. It's true. <laughs> or, you know, you go to what you think is a safe place church and the person behind you is <laughs> coughing. It's like, go to the back of the room. But if you'll spend time, because the Bible says every word of God, every scripture is God-breathed. It's got his DNA in it. And he doesn't have any virus or anything evil. He's pure love, pure life, pure health, pure goodness. What do you see? I just know I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. We see all. We can't see with our physical eyes, but it, with the eyes of our spirit, we see all that God has prepared for those who love him. Revelation 21, 3. See my tabernacle. The tabernacle of God is among men. Remember what, what Jesus said to Mary and Martha and all the bystanders when he was going to resurrect Lazarus after being in the tomb for four days and by the confession of his sister Mary, he, by now, he stinks. And Jesus said, did I not say that if you would believe, you would see the glory of the Lord? The glory of God is the goodness of God. The glory of God is the heavy weight of God. And that's what you see when you worship him. That's why I really want you to, to be here for worship. Psalm 31, 7 and 8. For you who are suffering today, I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy and steadfast love because you have seen, you have seen my affliction. You have taken note of my life's distresses and you have not, you have not, you have not given me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. I love that. If you're suffering today, would you please take that word? 
Would you please take that word? Psalm 36, 9. For in you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. If you're waiting for the other shoe to drop, you're not seeing correctly. This morning when I was, you know, I mean, I honestly sat down to pray. I said, Lord, I still don't know what you want me to share. There's so much, but I don't know. And it came back again. Ask them what they see. Ask them what they see. You know, we've really, as you know, needed rain. But guess what? The Lord doesn't chase after your need because if he did, he'd be chasing the works of darkness all the time. It's the enemy that creates need. He's waiting for sons and daughters that will exercise their authority. Just give me a moment. I wasn't planning on doing this, but I'm going to. So you're going to have to give me a moment. Oh, I hope I have it. If I don't have it, then I'm going to be really upset. Let me see. I, you know, I go through and I delete things. Ah, I found it. Ha <laughs> ha. My granddaughter was telling me about this. And there was a video. It was one of those TikTok things, whatever TikTok is. I mean, I know what TikTok is, but I don't know the point. So this was from a video and a witch was doing it. And she was talking about how she would read auras, A-U-R-A, around people. Now, that might sound spooky, but we all carry a spiritual atmosphere, whether you like it or not. We're spirit beings. We are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. When you depart, this, this thing is the only thing that's going. Who you are is not going to decay. So she sees these auras around people. And she said, and this is not an exact quote, but it's close. Every time I read the aura of a Christian, you ready for this? It is pure white. Now here's where this ought to get you. If Christians knew the power and authority they had, I would not be able to exist. And so I'm going to be a really mean mama today. Get off the ground. Pick yourself up. Take your authority and speak. You're a speaking spirit. Speak what God says. Oh, but I feel discouraged about what this happened and what this said, and I wish this had never happened to me. Well, turn the table on darkness. Whatever happened to you, turn the table. Use it for good. God makes all things work together for good to those who love him. I'm going to close with probably the most often known scripture when it comes to seeing. I bet you could quote it with me. It's Psalm 34, 8. This morning when I was praying about this, you know, I saw, I saw the Lord handing me a new pair of glasses. We have to change how we see things. Psalm 34, 8. If you know it, say it with me. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. What an invitation. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That word see in this passage in the Hebrew is the word stare. Got to stare. Stare at the word of God. Stare at the goodness of God. Stare at what he says. Stare at the promises of God. That word, Hebrew word see, means to perceive. Back to need, I left that part out. I mean, we need rain. But how many of you know standing outside and going, we need rain, is not going to help? And then I have the other people talking about the weather's being manipulated. There's this satellite. There's this portal. There's, I'm sorry, Jesus is Lord over the weather. Why do we believe that God can be mocked? 
oh, but there's the, I'm not going to even name all these dark organizations. And you know what? Whenever people come to me with it, I just go, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows that, and that alone shall he reap. I'm going to leave that up to him. Battle is the Lord's. I just need to take care of my own garden. The Bible doesn't tell me to watch over your heart with all vigilance. It tells me to watch over my heart with all vigilance. Because out of my heart flows the springs of life. So I've got to get all the blockages out of my heart. So Randy and I, will go to that back window, and we'll look in the sky, and we go, I see a cloud as a man's hand. Isn't that what Elijah did? It hadn't rained. He said, hey, I see a cloud as a man's hand. And then he got the downpour. I just thought what this witch said was so powerful. If Christians knew their authority, I wouldn't be able to exist. Hmm. I wonder why they can exist. I want to close with saying this. There's a time to pray and there's a time to say. There's a time to pray and there's a time to say. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Psalm 91, I will say of the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will deliver me from the snare of the fowler, from the deadly pestilence. He will cover me with his pinions and under his wings I seek refuge. His truth and faithfulness are my shield and buckler. I will not be afraid. There's a time to pray and there's a time to say. So start saying what you see and make it good. Now I am delighted beyond my ability to express to you to have our beautiful, beautiful Joyce come here today and share a testimony with you. Joyce, you want to get the mic, sweetie? And I love this woman so, so much. She is from the land of Akuna Matata, <laughs> Kenya. And I'm telling you, she is a powerhouse of the glory and goodness and love of God. I just love her dearly. Come on, Joyce. Love you. Love you, love you. Is your sister watching? Her sister watches from Kenya. Everybody say hello, Kenya. Hello, Kenya. And hello, Anne. That's her name. Anne. Oh, the goodness of the Lord. Oh, Thank yes. you, Pastor Sandy, for this opportunity. And ladies and gentlemen, where would we be if it wasn't for God? Oh, Amen. my goodness. Our enemies would have swallowed us up. We would have become history. Oh, yes, but God. Yes, yes. Oh, but God. <laughs> Here we are <laughs> for such a time as this, the best of time, when we see heaven manifest right in our midst, yes. on the earth, yes. because we are God's remnant. Amen. So I praise King Jesus this morning because he is good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is always good. He will never change. He remains good forever. And I thank God for his goodness to each one of us. And I thank you, Pastor Sandy, for this opportunity to share my full circle testimony. And thank you for being such an exceptional blessing, such a good spiritual mother to me. Oh, my goodness. I have no way to express my gratitude to you, but God knows. Thank you, thank you for your prayers, for your wise counsel, for your support. It means so much to me. And someday when I grow up, I want to be like you. Uh-huh, the way you love people and love God, I'm sure <laughs> love is a key mark. I'm telling you, if we love, we have passed the test because then everything else falls into place. And so we should be known by our love for God and for mankind. If we fail there, then we should not do anything else until we have passed that test. May God help us. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. As far as I can remember as a kid, I always felt loved. Even though nobody ever told me so, I always felt grateful, hopeful, content, and I always felt like the days ahead are going to be much better. 
I just felt that inner strength all my life. And I wasn't a Christian. And I didn't know how and why. But now I know that the hand of the Lord was always upon me. Even though I didn't know him. Even though I did not grow up in a Christian home. And so is you, the hand of the Lord. The invisible, sovereign hand of God is upon you. And always will be. Whether you feel him or not. I had someone say that feelings can ride with you, but they don't get to drive. So it's not about how we feel. It's about what we know to be true, that God is good. And he is God, Emmanuel, God with us, God for us and not against us. Not because we have earned it, because we are good, but simply because he is God. And so I, I was not raised up in a Christian home. But looking back. I can see God in my mother's life. She was such a noble woman. She wasn't saved, but she lived a better life than most Christians I knew. She was honest, transparent, hardworking. She loved her family. She did not gossip. She did not slander. She was very, very different. And she did not come from a Christian home. She was a stout Catholic before she got married. And I always loved the house of God. I loved church and I still do. I just love the, it doesn't matter where I've lived, I've always loved the house of God. And I always made sure never to miss church. Sometimes several times in a day. I just have a special love for the house of God. And my dad abandoned me, abandoned us before I was even 10 years old. He was an alcoholic and a smoker from his teenage years. And he took a loan against our land, our home secretly, didn't tell my mother. And my mother found out that our land was going to be auctioned. And so he, she left one night, pregnant with little children, weeping. She did not want to see, to be seen or to be asked to stay or to be held back. She knew that her in-laws did not care. They were not going to support her. So she had to sneak out late at night. When nobody was looking with just one suitcase, she left everything behind her. And she didn't know where she was going. And everything was taken. The home was demolished. The land was sold. Everything she had labored for for almost 11 years was gone. Just like that. And so we went from sleeping in our own bedrooms, in our own home, to sleeping on the floor in one room. With a newborn. And circumstances forced my mom to pull me out of school so that I could raise our siblings. And so I was out of school for four years. So I did not get to be a kid like other kids. I learned how to do, to run a home, to do all the chores, how to cook, how to fetch firewood and water, everything. And so when I returned back to school four years later, there was a lot of shame because I noticed most kids in my class were younger than me. I was among the oldest. There was a few other kids who had gone through something similar to what I went through. But I could tell that I was way older than everybody else in my class. But God was right there with me. He gave me the best teachers. <laughs> Throughout my elementary school, I had the best teacher. Not Christians, but the best teachers. And God gave me favor with them. And so I did very well in school. I was among the top students. And I became a leader all through my high school and elementary school. And as a teenager, I had to work on weekends and during the school holidays to help my mom put food on the table. And there were times when we sat down to eat and my mom would sit and watch us eat and I would ask her, mom, why are you not eating? And she would say, I'm not hungry. And it's, it's funny, as a child, you believe everything your mama says, right? <laughs> I believed her. Mom is not hungry, dad. <laughs> and then years later, I realized, oh, there wasn't enough food for all of us. But she was so grateful that she could get something for us to eat. And if I knew that there wasn't enough food, maybe I would have pretended that I was full too and just eat a little bit so that she can eat some. But she knew me. She would know when I was pretending. And so I just ate and enjoyed every bit of it. 
And at one point, life got very difficult. And she put me in a bus to go borrow food from her sister. It was hours of drive away. And I was only 12. And when I got off the bus, a couple of hours later, I was to transition to what we call a matatu. It's like a minibus to my aunt's home. And there were two guys. I think they were right there when my mom put me in the bus. And I think they had all the instructions and they saw that I was all by myself. And they violated me. And as I got into the minibus, or matatu, and I went to my aunt's home. And before I got to her house, there was a river. And there wasn't a bridge. There was just a log, a big log. It was secure and stable. But I had never crossed a river on a log. Or by, I had never been myself. And so as I crossed that log, I was just so scared. I knew if I fell in the river, I would drown because I didn't know how to swim. And in this river, I had my younger sister, one of my younger sister had drowned in this river who lived with my aunt because my mother was forced to divide the kids among her siblings to help her. And so when I got to my aunt, I knew that I couldn't tell her what just happened to me because she was a stranger, I had never met her. She was sweet, she was loving and kind, but we didn't have a relationship. And so I couldn't tell her what happened. And when I returned back home, I couldn't tell my mother either. She was still grieving the many losses she had suffered and experienced. How on earth was I going to add on to that, to her pain and suffering? No way. And so I stuffed it to myself and kept it in the back of my mind. And I had no safe place, no one to tell no one to talk to. And so, 10 years later, we were poor, very, very poor, dirt poor. But there was lots of love. There was peace. There was harmony. It was nice and quiet. But then 10 years later, my dad showed up. No apologies, no explanation. With nothing. Absolutely nothing. And three months later that year, I got saved, I got healed, and I got delivered. I was attending a Christian high school. And I was the first one in my family to get saved. My siblings, my mom came to the Lord down the years. I prayed them in. I learned how to fast, how to pray, how to wake up in the dark, go to, we called it a powerhouse. And it was a boarding high school. It was a library, but... That place at four in the morning, girls were packed there praying and calling on the name of the Lord. So I had a good foundation and good discipleship. And I was surrounded with mature girls who had been with the Lord for many years. So I did have a good foundation. I grew in, in, in my Christian walk with God. And then my dad was still an alcoholic, abusive to my mom emotionally, mentally, financially. He forced her to stop working so that he can control her. And so we depended totally on dad. And then 23 years ago from now, mom got very sick. I remember by now I had been married. We were in Germany. And she was at the point of death. And months before I had had a dream. And in this dream I saw this person who looked dead. And I prayed over that person in the dream, and the person got up suddenly and was perfectly well. And God, a couple of months later, when I heard mom was sick and I couldn't go home, God said the dream had to do with my mom. And he gave me instructions on how to pray for her from a distance, from Germany, and she's in Kenya. And I did pray, and she was miraculously healed. Praise God. And little did I know that a few months from that point, that my dad would get saved. So we went home to Kenya to visit our parents. And one night before we left back for Germany, I went home and I spent the night to, with my parents to say goodbye. And that night my dad was out. He came back late and drunk. And I was trying to preach the gospel to him, which I had done for many years. And he always listened, always respected me. He loved me. I knew that and I still know that. 
But that time was different. He was rude and he told me not to try to force the gospel down the throat. He said, why don't you just pray for us so that we can go and sleep? And so I got up, I lifted my hands up to the sky and started to pray and heaven came down. <laughs> I knew that something shifted that very moment. And I went around, prayed for my siblings and my mom. When I got to my dad, his hands were up and he was crying. And he said, I see Jesus coming to me and Satan is running away. And God is showing me the movie of my life, how the devil has used me, abused me, wasted me, robbed from me. And right there, my dad gave his life to Jesus. And he, thank you, Jesus. And he was saved right there and delivered, and he was sober that very moment. And I forgot to say that when my mom was sick, God gave me 2 Kings chapter 20, which is a story of King Hezekiah when he was sick, and prophet Isaiah goes and tells him, you are going to die, put your house in order. I mean, that was the word of the Lord. But Hezekiah turned and cried out to the Lord, and God heard his prayer, the power of prayer. We, don't, we have not because we ask not, right? <laughs> but King Hezekiah somehow knew that his, he serves a God of mercy. So he called upon the name of the Lord and the word dropped right there in the prophet Isaiah's heart. And he had to go back and, <laughs> and prophesy uh, the, the, the good news that God had given him 15 more years. And he did. And so when God gave me that scripture, I knew it was an invitation from the Lord to pray for my mother for more time. I knew it was in God's time at that moment. And it was upon me to stand in the gap and to pray for my mother and ask for more time. And so we sang that night as my dad got saved until two in the morning. And the naysayer said, my dad can never be saved, can never stop drinking, can never stop smoking. He had done that for decades. That's all he knew to do. But this day, 22 years later, my dad is still saved, never went back to his old life, and he is 82 years today. And we have a very, we have a very close relationship. He and I pray weekly and he is a totally he looks so different than when he looked 22 years ago very healthy just looks fabulously you have you cannot tell he used to be an alcoholic god redeemed everything his physical body he redeemed the time he redeemed his whole life and gave him a brand new chapter to start afresh and my mom lived another 22 more years from that close encounter with death. And she transitions to heaven last year in January. But what I did not know, and I found out in April, God is so sovereignly amazing. In April, we traveled to Kenya, and God said to go see my aunt, my only mom's sister that is alive. And I thought, why do I need to go? Okay, I didn't argue. So I told my sister, I feel like we are supposed to go see our aunt. And we did. And God said to ask some questions. I'm known as a notorious in questions, <laughs> asking questions. But if you ask questions, you get answers, right? And so we got a lot of family history that we didn't know. And it was at that point I found out my mom's dad had died at the age of 54. The same age my mom almost died of, by the same condition. So God was breaking a demonic satanic cycle that I did not even know existed. And I did not even know about generational issues and cycles and all that. But God saw the scheme of the enemy, scheming behind the scenes. And he found a solution to break it supernaturally. So my mom would have died that day if the enemy had his way. But praise God, God is always ahead of the enemy and he's always looking out for his children. And no one could have orchestrated the events 
of that night, my dad came to know Jesus. Only God, because he's a God of suddenness, divine suddenness, like Pastor Rick has been preaching weeks ago. And God does not need our help to make things happen. All he needs is our obedience. He gives you simple instructions. And sometimes what do we do? We dismiss them. That's just me. Oh my, because nobody else around you seems to think the same way. But God did not ask you to verify what he told you with other people. You are responsible for what he tells you. Still, small voice. Radical obedience will lead you to miracles, signs, and wonders. Because the more you obey, the more God will give you. So do not reason with the instructions of heaven, no matter how simple they are, how different. Who said, I mean, I had never heard that you can anoint somebody from country from thousands of miles away and pray the prayer of James chapter 5 and God will heal them. I had never known that, but God knew that in the spirit realm there is no distance. So God is calling us to that place of radical, instant obedience. If we make a mistake, he has our back. Because he knows our heart, that our intent is to obey him. So when we do it, it pleases him. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Just do it, sister. Just do it, brother. God has you. No matter how hard it is or no matter how foolish it sounds. Just do it. Just do it. Obedience is a key to unlocking that realm of miracles. God is looking for you. Are you going to obey him? Even when he says things that will make you look weird. I'm one of those and I don't care. I look weird to many. I talk weird. I act weird and I don't care. I just want him to be pleased. He's the only one that counts, really. His affirmation is the only one that I look to. So he's got your situations and everything else. And he has the final word. Not the devil, not your relatives. God has the final word. And he will fight for you. So then banish all anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body. Just trust in the Lord. Yes to him. Surrender and watch him do the impossible. You are in good hands. His everlasting arms will carry you through anything in life. And in that year, when my mom got saved, the devil actually had come to steal, kill, and destroy more than one. My sister had serious pneumonia and was in the hospital, very ill. And one night, a big demonic thing tore to the ceiling, came and started choking her. And she cried out, Jesus! And that thing left. But my sister was pregnant. So that demon of death had come to kill two with one. And so when hell breaks out so bad, you just know that you are at the verge of miracle. That was months before my dad got saved. So the enemy wanted to take out three members of the family so that my dad would say, God, you're not good. You took this away from me. You did that. That would have been a hindrance. But God, praise God, he sees what the enemy is scheming behind the scenes. And he fights for you. He comes to your rescue even when you don't even know what's going on. If you did see what's going on, <laughs> you would die of fear. Your word. By the end of the day, I always tell God, I thank you for all the battles you fought for me because I know there was plenty and I didn't know about them. And I don't even want to know unless he tells me. But the enemy is always busy. But praise God, he has an angel and comes around you. And he's always on your side. And he is for you and not against you. Therefore, who can be against you? And therefore, I decree and declare that God's plans over your life will not be thwarted. For the Lord Almighty has purposed. And who can thwart him? His hand is stretched out. And who can turn it back? Amen. Who? I decree and declare 
that you will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord, that you will finish strong in the name of Jesus and do and be or what God ordained for you to be even before you were formed in your mother's womb because everything you need in life was deposited in you before you were even born. It's all in there. And I nullify every scheme, every plot, every agenda, plan of the enemy against you and your household in the name of Jesus. And I decree and declare that God's plans will be fulfilled in your life and your loved ones. That you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Not when you get to heaven. Now you will see the goodness of the Lord. It is his will for you to see his goodness. And thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads in every place the fragrance that comes from knowing him. Don't you love it? We carry his aroma. We diffuse the foul stench of the evil one, the wicked one. For it is not by might. Nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And God will finish what he started in you. He is a finisher and perfecter of our faith. He does not do anything halfway. That is not the God we serve. And God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. He said it. Will he not do it? Has he spoken it? Will he not make it good? <laughs> it's time to stop giving God a bad rap. Because that's, that's, that's not who he is. He is good and he is for you. And so I bless you in the name of Jesus to, to excel, to triumph in every area of your life. And I release the favor of God to surround you as a shield all the days of your lives. And I decree and declare that your steps are ordered of the Lord in the name of Jesus. That you will be victorious in every situation of your life. That you be healed, be whole, be restored, be reconciled in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, my gosh. I'm resigning. <laughs> so good. I love you. Woo, I was going to ask her to pray, but I have to do that. Woo. You know, um, I'm just going to say one thing that really, the whole thing stood out to me, it really stood out to me, is her radical obedience. Amen. To, Lord, what, what is the process for my mother being healed? What is the process for my father's salvation? You know, if you get the plan of heaven, it's going to sa save you a lot of time, number one. And number two, you're going to see the answer. But we, we're so busy trying to earn everything. If you can earn it and if you deserve it, it's not grace. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting ChosenEssay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.